Folks, if your financial professional tends to speak in terms of their industry jargon, it can be confusing, but it's important to have clarity, which is why I so recommend Arif Halaby of Total Financial Solutions. My wife Sue and I are Arif's clients because he provided us with such clarity. He is very knowledgeable and capable when it comes to reliable retirement income. Tune into Arif Halaby's show, The Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM 870, The Answer. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halaby, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for being part of the program. AM870, the answer. This is the total financial hour. I'm Arab Halabi. Let me give you the number. It's 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888 888- Nine nine seven, three eight four seven. All right, I'm going to speak slow. Not a uh, as as I've recently been chastised as a baseball announcer. No, 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 no. This is or or hockey. Right, the puck moves a lot faster than that ball does. You know, on a side note, I need to complain for just or actually comment. Let's discuss. Have you ever watched a professional golf tournament? The ball is there. It is not moving an inch. And as the golfer approaches, and everybody's quiet. And then the guy hits the ball, and then you can clap, right? Now you go to a baseball field, and the ball's moving at 90 miles an hour plus. And everybody's screaming and calling you names, and some are calling your mother names, and, and all sorts of things behind the, behind the dugout. And the ball is moving. You don't have to be quiet and say, wait, wait, wait. Let him hit the ball. Then you can cheer. I don't know. I always thought that was kind of interesting. You know, tennis, the same thing. The ball is moving at a much slower rate than hockey, uh, than the puck is moving in hockey. And yet, you have to be quiet when they hit the tennis ball. Is there some sort of common denominator? Well, this is the thought for your weekend, for you to sit with your friends and contemplate. I don't know. Retire, 888 I'm Arif Halaby, as I mentioned. The Total Financial Hour, we'll, it allows you to... Uh, to learn, I hope, and to become a little bit better. So we're going to touch on a few things uh, this morning. And it's a little bit of a, not quite a shotgun approach, but conversations about topics. And we're going to go from a few, maybe three or four different topics as the hour progresses here. I wanted to talk about uh, contributing to money while you are still working in your retirement account. Now, you might even be retired, quote, right? Sometimes people think, There's a lot of myths around retirement. They think that when they retire, they're not allowed to work and that retirement happens at age 65. No, you could retire anytime you want. That 65 number was just a number that uh, that the Social Security Administration, hence the U.S. government, came up with based on when you were expected to pass away. 
right? I mean, it was age 63, 68, depending on who you talk to. But the life expectancy back then wasn't very long. So they picked age 65 because it had a certain ring to it, not because it had any kind of really interesting, oh, I don't know, conversation about what really happens to your life at age 65. Some of you should have retired at 55. Some of you are young enough. Just uh, this last week, I met with the client, the guy. The guy is a landscape uh, designer. I mean, he does a lot of the hands-on work. He's always comes to my office covered in dirt and, you know, azaleas and all sorts of, I mean, he, he's covered 78 years old, as fit as a fiddle, carrying 40 pounds of, uh, you know, soil and, and manure and, and just stuff that he's doing around the garden. And he has just a handful of customers. But he said, Eric, I'll be coming up on 80 in the next year. And the only way I stay fit is by continuing to move. So if you were to think about somebody like him, he should have, quote, been retired. Retired. Age 65, what are you doing? Sit in that chair. Rock. Wait to die. Volunteer. So a lot of things are changing. Well, here's the other part. If you are retired and or still working or you are collecting Social Security, And all of those things you can do. You can be retired, you can collect Social Security, and you can still work. Now, there's some rules about how much you can work, but that is only prior till about age 66, meaning you can still work and make as much money as you want. But you got to pay taxes. I mean, is any of this surprising? Yes, of course, you have to pay income tax. There's no surprise in any of this story. It's income tax. So, yes, you have to pay taxes and how much and all of that. But here's the key. This is very important. If you are retired, collecting Social Security, even past age 72, and you have a required minimum distribution, meaning you are forced to start withdrawing money from your retirement accounts, but you still have earned income, I want you, consi- well, I want you to consider putting that back in to your retirement account. I know it's a silly loophole and, and it's something that, frankly, Congress should have fixed, But I'm always worried about them fixing anything because they seem to break three more things when they fix one of those. And this this certainly is no different with this Congress. So just keep this in mind. You're 73 years old. You have earned income of, let's say, $10,000 a year. But you're forced to withdraw money from your retirement account that maybe you don't need. You're like, listen, I don't really need it, but fine, I have to take it out. I want you to consider putting it right back in to a traditional IRA. Or if you have a company retirement account, if there is a 401k plan at your job, guess what? You are allowed to put money into that 401k. All sorts of really neat little benefits. So if you're working, you don't need the money. You want to send it off, well, maybe to your heirs. Maybe your spouse, maybe someday in the future when you think you're going to need it, when you're going to stop working, then you can ask for it. You could say, hey, I'm going, to, I'm going to take more money out. But you are allowed to deposit money into a retirement account after age 70, which used to be the old rule. Now it's age 72. Even if you're still working, even if you're forced to take money out, you take it out, you put it in your left pocket, you take money from your right pocket and put it back into the to the account. Okay, I know it's a bit confusing. If I had my whiteboard, I'd be able to draw it out for you. Uh, those of you that have <laughs> been kind enough to, to reach out to us or that have come into the office, you know that I'd like to use a whiteboard. 
I'm a visual person. It makes it, it makes it simple. All right. I told you I was going to bounce around on topics. Here's another one. Adult children. There's a lot of you that have adult children that live with you, whether you are retired or about to retire or whether you live with them. And truly, that is a difference, isn't it? You both might be under the same house, but it's almost like child's games. Who was there first? I'm there first. Tag. It's my house. Now you're moving in. Now it's our house. But don't forget, <laughs> I was here first. A little weird, but it happens. You start to see some of that. So where we see it take place, we see it taking place in a couple of places. When you have an adult child, 30, 25, 30, 35 years old, that lives with you, I want you to have some rules attached to it. Now, listen, if they're caring for you, if they're doing things around the house, if they're that extra set of hands, which they should be anyway because they're, they're there, it's, it's a family unit. It used to be your family unit was you and three buddies living in an apartment downtown. The, the historic family unit from a lot of the, the cultural places around the world, everywhere, was that the kids stayed at home, they helped out mom and dad, maybe even financially, because there wasn't such things as IRAs or 401ks in, in years past. And this family unit worked together. But I want to share with you what I think is a responsibility of that younger person, 25, 35, 45 years old, it doesn't matter. And there's number one responsibility is for them to save some money. Each and every month, they need to save money. Maybe in two accounts, savings and a retirement, right? Emergency money, future money. But the second thing that's really close behind that is they need to be adding money to the family. For example, I'll take care of the homeowner's insurance or I'll buy, I'll pay for the electric bill or, right? There needs to be something that's, that's spread out and reduces the cost for the person who was there first, whose home it is, whose name all of the bills are under. So that person needs to be a part of the family. And as that family unit, that family structure, you will see this in Hispanic families and Arabic families and Italian families and Polish and on and on and on. You will see that where the family unit works together. But I want to add another responsibility to that young person that you need to have that conversation with. Are you ready for this? It's not pretty, but it's that they need to be buying rental properties, investment properties, some sort of, some sort of asset so that when they move out, they're not going to move from their parents' house. Like I moved from my parents' garage into my own home. It was a mistake, right? I was 23 years old. I got married. I lived in the garage from about the eighth grade. So I should have bought one or two rental properties. I should have lived in an apartment or had my wife move in to the other part of the garage, right? We could have, we were young. The idea is to get out there. But from a financially smart thing to do, I think having your young people buy an investment property or, or uh, go into partnership with a duplex or something before they move out, it, they need to ha- listen, I told my kids, you have to have two rental properties before you move out. Why? Because me and mom don't need the money for our electric bill. We're okay. But you have to be growing your wealth. You need to be putting money, fully funding your retirement account, kids. I know you're 20-something years old, but you put as much as you can in your Roth IRAs or Roth 401ks. Because your tax brackets are low right now. Put in as much post-tax money. You don't need the tax break. 
If your income is below twenty five, thirty five thousand, wherever the number is for you, if your income is below that, you should be using the Roth programs, which means if today you make thirty thousand dollars a year, you put ten thousand into a traditional four hundred one k. Today you only pay taxes on twenty thousand. When you retire, where you retire, that ten thousand and all the interest and all the earnings is taxed at whatever your bracket is. Now, the idea was when you reach age 65, you were supposed to be in a lower tax bracket. That is not true anymore. That's a myth. In fact, some of you come to me and say, so when do I stop paying taxes? Is that age 65? I said, depends. Did you die at age 64? Because if you did, then the answer is right. But other than that, there is no such thing. You have to pass away. Then you can stop paying taxes. And only then it's the next year because your family has to pay on your behalf to kind of catch you up. So if you put money into a Roth, whether it's a Roth IRA, Roth 401k, if you make $30,000 a year and you put $10,000 into a Roth, R-O-T-H type program, you still pay taxes on all 30000 but that $10,000, when you retire, where you retire, the growth, the money that comes behind it, all of that is tax-free under this current law. Now, a little side note. President Obama, before he left office, his last budget, he sent to the Congress, had in there that they wanted to start taxing Roth IRAs. So I share that with you because the Republican Congress you know, stiff-armed it and said, no, thank you, not going to happen. But I want you to know The Democrats thought about it. It was on their mind. That shocked our industry. Me, my friends, our coworkers, we all went, "Uh uh-oh, wait, 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 wait. What do you mean? That that even came up? That was even a thing? I get that it was stopped and slapped back down, if you will, or or, did not occur, but they thought about it. Interesting. When you think about this and you, you ask yourself, you know, the political world is never looking at the, the left hand. They're always looking at the right hand. How do I grab more? How do I take more? They never think, hey, how, how do if I, uh, I stop fraud, the welfare abuse, the unemployment abuse and fraud? You guys know it. Some of you aren't even working. Some of, I have, uh, com- listen, not all of you, all right? I have comorbidities. I'm 56 years old, so I got a waiver to not work. Oh, yeah, but you didn't get a waiver to, to not go, you know, drive up the coast. Or, or go on a vacation or hang out in the backyard or to watch, you know, family feud. You didn't get a waiver for that. You're okay. Just get a different job. Eric, that's so insensitive. Really? Your, your feelings now, money now has feelings. Let me look at a hundred dollar bill and ask it how it feels today. Right? You're going to sink down the entire ship, the entire Titanic, because you want a better view. All of us. Listen, I think you have a responsibility. We claim to be conservatives. You need to stop taking all this government stuff. Nobody owns me. I'm free. Oh, really? You think you're free to make your own decisions and you keep taking government money? I think you have to ask yourself, listen, am I part of the problem or part of the solution? Dennis Prager, Dennis and and Larry, but I know just Dennis, uh, I know Dennis for sure says this fairly regularly. There's three types of people. There's the, the fighters, very few of them. There's the people that support the fighters that are just as important as the fighters. 
And then the largest group is those that do nothing. And uh, look, you don't have to be one that fights. You're afraid, your business, your job, I get it. But you can certainly support the fighters. So take that stimulus check and send it to conservative uh, fight uh, groups, right? Prager University, Turning Point USA. There's a lot of really good ones that are not corrupted by the swamp, even though they call themselves conservative. That was really the biggest poison that Donald Trump added to Washington, D.C., is he didn't sit in and stay in the predictable corners and say, conservatives good, Democrats bad. He didn't sit there and, and just play along with the normal routine like a tennis match. Away, this year we win. Next year you guys win. Oh, we have the Congress. And it's just you shuffle players on the exact same board. He walked in and tipped the entire board. He walked in and said, listen, some of you Republicans are part of the swamp. Billy Crystal, <clears throat> excuse me. Right? What did he do? I'm going to shoot myself in the foot. Why? Because after it heals, then I'll be stronger in my arms. Instead of saying, hey, I'm going to stand over here next to President Trump, take a hard look at what we're doing in the mirror and see if this is right for America. Of course, I didn't agree with everything the president said. Come on. Get out of your third grade uh, sandbox here for a second, guys. Oh, president. Listen, I don't agree with my wife 100 percent of the time. And in a few months, it'll be 30 years that I'm married to her. Right. I don't even agree with what I said. Maybe 10 years ago, I made some right. Oh, let's uh, you change your mind. So come on. We didn't hire somebody to be the prom king. We hired somebody to fix the country. And he did. And February 26, 2020. A month, nearly a month after COVID was so hardcore, the president shut down flights. They were working uh, nonstop. Fauci has come out and said, don't wear a mask. That's traditional. That's what you do when you have a virus and you're healthy. The CDC said you should not be wearing a mask. That's what they said. They've had this virus and coronaviruses have been around for decades. This is not a new, it's just a different strain. The Surgeon General, very well-spoken, clear-headed, trustworthy individual, do not wear a mask. There wasn't any question. It wasn't like, oh, what did he say exactly? And then, of course, February 26. What happens February 26? Court of Appeals, Connecticut, New York, <clears throat> New Jersey, Rhode Island, I think a couple other states, because the president was sued. And he sued them back and forth, and here's what happened. We're going to deny you money as a sanctuary state, city. I have the right, says the president, to withhold funds if you are not following federal law and immigration. Court of Appeals, nearly unanimously, both Republicans and Democrats agreed with the president. February 26. Look it up. Washington Post, New York Times, it's everywhere. Even the, even the rags, they had it. What, three or four or five business days later? Shut down everything. Because they knew that the president could not deny funds for health care state of emergencies. The president couldn't deny funds. Can't deny funds for uh, earthquakes or, or hurricanes. So what happens? Well, February 26 comes. 
California knows it's next. So does Illinois. Bankrupt states, with all you know, with all uh, intents and purposes, just look at the balance sheet. And if you don't know what a balance sheet is, folks, then I think you have to look real hard at taking economics 101. And you can today. It's free. Just go online, right? It's everywhere. And what did you see? A letter of intent, directly or indirectly, went to most of those states, all blue states. And it said, we intend to begin to withhold funds. And we are going to begin to withdraw money from your state. Or you open up your uh, cooperation with the federal government. So the states knew they would be bankrupt before summer. Well, surprise. Oh my gosh. There's a, of course, listen, people die. Yeah, people die. Yeah, they die. Gosh, they die. It's horrible. I've, I've had clients and friends. I know this. But they, but, but people die of pancreatic cancer and it's ugly. It's horrible. I've seen people Heard of people, watched people die in car accidents. And you still got in the car the next day, didn't you? And drove. Almost 400,000 people a year died in 2019. Did you know this? 400,000 people. And this is what's reported by the American Medical Association. And this 400,000 people that died, reported by the American Medical Association, was medical malpractice. Yeah, that means they made a mistake. You, But you're still going to the doctor for that procedure, right? But nearly half a million, and this is what they admit to, meaning eh, maybe they fudged the records down. I don't know, maybe not. But if you're going to self-report and you have a reputation like the American Medical Association, maybe just maybe you might Fudge those numbers in the downward direction. So if they're saying three, four hundred thousand a year die from medical malpractice, maybe it's a half a million. I don't know. And yet you still got into a car. You still went to a physician's office. You still went to a hospital and had that procedure. The amount of folks that have passed away because pharmacists have given you the wrong medication or the wrong dosage instead of once per hour or once per day, it did the opposite. Two to three per day went two to three, you know, three times a day or two, three times a day. Suddenly your, your dosage was messed up, not because anybody's dirty or evil or mad or mean or it's just it happens. But you still go to the pharmacist. Meaning there's still precautions you will take. You'll wear a seatbelt. You'll still go in and make sure that the doctor, when I had my shoulder worked on uh, last year, the doctor came with a Sharpie pen and signed and put an X on my right shoulder. Why? Because that was the one he was going to operate on and I was going to be knocked out. So I wasn't going to tell him, hey, buddy, you're on the wrong shoulder. They have precautions. I share this with you because the only way the left could have won last year was to sink the U.S. economy. And so now they've put in motion with all of this free money circulating, this tidal wave of potential inflation coming down the road because it's a big pipeline, right? If you've seen, you know what a pipeline is, right? It's a big piece of pipe. You turn the faucet on, you, you see it with your hose. You turn it on on one end of the hose and you got to count 1,001, 1,002, and then it comes out the other side of the hose, right? Because it's the water's going around and around through the hose and up and around and it comes out. Now, you know what you put in on the front end of the hose. You turn the faucet. 
And you also know it's just a matter of time before water comes out the, the other end. So when you flood the U.S. economy with a whole bunch of money, we knew what was going to happen. We being you know, financial people or pundits or, or even people as an avocation that research and, and watch this stuff. Number one, we know that interest rates that were really low are going to end up going higher. So get it while you can, right? Refinance while you can is what they say. The second thing we know is, is their bottom line is going to be inflation. And the third thing we think is potentially a market correction. Now, that means, I, I love it when they say the word correction. In other words, for you to make money, well, that's bad. We got to correct it. Negative, bad. Right? No, no, no. Market correction means you lost money. Wall Street never loses. Don't forget that. They charge a fee if you go up. They charge a fee if you go down. They charge a fee when they make money. They charge a fee when you lose money. They never lose in the story. So if there's a correction or if if the market is down, they're still going to make money. When we come back in a minute, I need you to follow one thing. If you are at all-time highs, if your your accounts are, are up, maybe, just maybe, there's something you can do. We'll cover that when we come back. 888 997-3847 888-99-RETIRE Stay with me, I'm Arif Halaby. We'll be right back strategy, Learn from Arif Halaby. Learn about financial power The total financial hour Financial security Will help you live the life you dream Learn about financial power Total Financial Hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Hey, welcome back to the program. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arab Halaby. The Total Financial Hour, your family's place for news, talk, and information. That's what the answer is all about. And it's also a chance for you to learn. Uh, I hope. Listen, there's a lot of different programs and even a lot of different financial folks. The goal is never to say, you know, one is better than the other. I'm good, they're bad. I mean, that would be silly, right? There's a reason that there's a car make and model for almost everybody. You drive down the street and and you stop at a stoplight and you'll see a bunch of different automobiles and cars and trucks and big and small and two-door and four-door because it has to be a right fit for you. Well, that's the same thing with us. If we're a right fit for you, then, then it's my pleasure. It's my honor to help you. And our specialization, right, our place in your financial life is to help you with some or part of your money that you want to keep safe and out of the market risk. You've grown it. Market is at all-time highs. Your account has already made, I don't know, pick a number, 10 or 15% this year. Great. Isn't it time to take some of that off the table? Maybe move some of it out of the risk? Because here's what we do. We go up when the market goes up. But if it goes down, we stay the same. If it goes up, we make money. If it goes down, we stay the same. We go for reliable retirement income. Not something where we could say we're rich, we're poor, we made it, we lost it. Because the whole time off to the side with one of those little uh, change belts that the local ice cream guy used to have, you know, those, uh, those metal things on his belt and he would use the, the edge of his thumb and go click, 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 here's your coins, here's your change. Right? That would be like your broker. They're always sitting there, click, 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 here's your rate of return. You said, but where's the rest of my money? Oh, oh well, uh, you know, I have it. It's, it's safe. It's right next to my 
my tummy. I have it, right? <laughs> it's right here. It's not going anywhere. Well, I think inflation is coming around the corner. And I think if you want to take some or part of your gains and move them out of the risk world and move those into safety world, this may be the chance to do it. Have you considered what inflation will do to your portfolio? More importantly, what it will do to your income. You see, a lot of people say, oh, uh, I have a million dollars. Oh, great. Well, that's wonderful. Oh, yeah, but it's in this building in downtown LA. It's a million dollars in equity. Okay. Well, are you going to take a piece of drywall or, or the kitchen sink to the bath, uh, to, from the bathroom to the grocery store? Right. Well, you can't take a doorknob and go put gas in your car. You need dollars. You need cash. You need cash flow. So that's nice to have a lot of assets. We call it being illiquid, meaning you don't have enough money. Cash flow coming in on the 1st or the 10th or whatever of every month should be coming into your life, financially speaking, and you can live. If you've listened, listened to the show long enough, you've heard me say things like, uh, you know, do you want a million dollars in cash or 10000 a month the rest of your life? Now, if you say a million dollars in cash, right, it's what I would have said when I was 25, when I had my whole life in front of me and I thought, oh, I'll turn it into $2 million by the weekend. No problem. I'm rich. I'll, I'll double it, triple it. But the older I get, and by definition, in most people's cases, at least a little wiser, you get to the place and you go, huh. So let me back up. So on the first of every month, come heck or high water, I've got $10,000 coming into my bank account. Hmm. I like that idea. No headache, no risk, no tenants that are complaining, no government that gets on the side of the, of the, the tenant or stock. I'll take it. Interesting. So a lot of people behind the scenes have to figure out that what takes place, financially speaking, is this level of risk that we're willing to accept is nice when your food, shelter, clothing comes from your job. Right? When your income, when your cash flow comes from your job, then your retirement accounts, especially if you're consistently buying, right? Every two weeks, they're taking a withdrawal from your 401k, uh, from your paycheck and depositing it into your retirement account. Those things are great. Then I want you to have some risk there. That's wonderful. Market goes down, you're buying more shares. Market goes up, you've made some money, but you're consistently buying. The word for that is dollar cost averaging. Dollar cost averaging. Because you're spending money, you're depositing it, and you're buying, and so it lowers the risk and raises the floor of how much each share costs. So at least it's not going to be horrible if you put it in at the wrong time because it's very difficult to time the market. Some would say impossible. So instead, what you're doing is you're consistently participating. Fantastic. Well, now you're retired. Now you need some or part of those funds to live on. Well, surprise, the exact same thing that worked when you were working, which was depositing money in as the market, is exactly the opposite, which is it hurts you. Substantially, it hurts you to pull money out when, you, when the market is going up and down, up and down. Because just like it, it, it keeps you from losing and, and reduces the risk, it's the exact opposite, the mirror image. Meaning now you're pulling money out at the bottom of the market, not buying, you're selling. And because you take dollars to the grocery store, not shares, 
you have to sell seven shares instead of five in order to get this month's income. Well, those two extra shares, they're gone forever. You turn them into cash. So the amount of shares that are left to grow when the market rebounds are fewer and fewer and fewer. So if you've made some money, if the market is high enough, if you think, hey, I'm at a reasonable profit, now it's time to move some of it off into the safety world. Remember this. My job is to not make you rich. It's to keep you from being broke. Any financial professional on this show or that show or anything, it doesn't matter to me, any, any financial professional that tells you, hey, by the way, I can double your money or triple, I'm going to make you rich. We have the, first I say, great. You're probably 32 years old or 39 years old. Wonderful. I get it. Uh, but first, I'd like to meet your mom and dad. If they're still alive, I'd like to meet your parents. So excuse me, uh, I'm a broker at, you know, Merrill Edwards here. What, what are you talking about? And, and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, I'd like to meet your mom and dad. Why? Because if you can make me rich, you better have made them rich. You better have made sure your parents were financially secure. Otherwise, you're a son of a gun and I probably don't want to work with you. Second, I want to make sure that you're wealthy because you have to take care of yourself first. Otherwise, in the sinking ship, you're going to have to hang on to my ankles and you're going to pull both of us down. Meaning you're going to have to charge me more fees because you haven't managed your money properly. You will consistently be on this machine to find a way to either churn my account, meaning just generate fees and commissions for yourself in the story. Not that it's the best thing for me. And I love it. You need a fiduciary. So you're telling me that the only way somebody's going to do the right thing for you is if they're legally obligated? Really? So, oh, man. I was going to do things. I was going to be a sneaky son of a gun as a broker, but darn it. Now they passed a law that I have to do the right thing. Oh, well, I guess I will. Are you kidding me? Ethically and morally? That they needed to be reminded or have some law hanging over their head? Uh, listen, the law that I, I pay attention to is, a, is uh, a little bit higher than the Supreme Court, right? I, I would say God is probably the ultimate judge that I'm a, a bit more concerned about than than the Supreme. I, I don't know. That's my, that's my morals and values. Maybe, look, maybe if you have an atheist or an agnostic, somebody who doesn't believe in God or actually believes there is no God, no righteous indignation, no problems to be solved by somebody at a higher power, then maybe they need a law. Maybe if they think that the law is the highest ever in, in, in the land, then of course they need to be under threat of lawsuit at any minute. We could all be sued at any minute. You're in the financial business. You deal with people's money. right? How many studies have said, <laughs> I think more people said, you can, I, I, you can mess with my spouse more than you can mess with my money. right? I mean, that's how sensitive it is. Of course people sue for everything. But you have to be reminded to do the right thing because there's a law, the fiduciary law. Okay, maybe. Uh, listen, I'm happy. That's good. You're more. You're legally obligated. Oh yeah, I, I like morally obligated. That seems to work for me. But both is fine. That's that's fine. They're making all of us fiduciaries anyway. So I don't know. A little bit of a tangent, but I think you need to understand. What do I think is happening? Well, I think the change is coming. And inflation is coming. All of us have been yelling inflation for years now. But there were other ways that the government and the system absorbed that money that was coming out at the end of the pipeline. It was absorbed. It was dispersed. 
and spread out. But here's a great example because you guys don't really care. You're not concerned about what happened 500 miles away or 2,000 miles away. But you are when it's in your own backyard. So this week we took our dog to the groomer. They said, well, effective today, our prices are increasing. Now, let me be clear on this. The dog groomer was opened since last May or June. I mean, it closed for a short bit, but it's been open for nine months. And try to get a try to get an appointment there. This is a, a very popular groomer. We have a golden doodle. Uh, she's the best dog in the world, by the way. And uh, you want the right person to do it, right? It, it's a very sensitive uh, thing, making sure my dog is cared for. It's like a member of my family. So we go to this one place. Two months, six weeks before you can get an appointment. So you have to book two or three appointments in advance. They are always slammed, meaning... They've never been closed for, for very long, I think for three or four weeks. That's it. They've been busy nonstop since last summer. And in all of that story, they just raised rates by 21%. 21%. Now, people might say, oh, well, that's just a few dollars, four or five dollars. Listen, we tip. They get, they get a nice tip from us. I like to honor the work. Physical work gets a bigger tip from me. That's just important because I used to do that. That was me. Delivered pizza, worked as a gardener. I mean, I did stuff that was very physical and to get a tip is, a, is an important thing. And yet, 21%, 22%. Listen, this is a big deal in our financial life because when you go to a nicer restaurant, I don't mean fast food, but a nicer restaurant, take a look at what it costs now to go have food. They've been closed. They have bills, back bills, back rent that they have to pay. Do you think they're not going to raise rates 10, 15, 20%? Gasoline. The state of California artificially inflates by raising taxes on gasoline. It's well over a dollar extra. We have the refineries right here in California and the ground uh, and the oil comes up right here in California, right in the South Bay. And, you know, what is it? Pico Rivera, Santa Clarita. There's oil wells all over the place and the refineries are here, meaning it's pulled up out of the ground, driven a few blocks, refined, driven a few blocks back this way and put in the gas station. There's no labor. Uh, I mean, an hour, right, from the time, a couple of hours from the time it comes out of the ground before it gets into your gas tank. So why is it that we have to pay, well, I don't know, 50%, 40% more than some states for gasoline? So when the state artificially increases, which is what the state of California is going to have to do, it's going to have to increase its taxes. So here's what would have happened. And California knew this. So did Illinois. So did Connecticut. A lot of states, Rhode Island, they knew that if President Trump was reelected, they probably would have been forced into a default type bankruptcy this summer because the president has already said he wasn't going to give extra money to those states, the blue states. So COVID bill comes out. Nancy Pelosi is one of the most dishonest and evil human beings I've probably ever had the uh, privilege of being alive at the same time. And that... Isn't hard to say because uh, in that story is a uh, you know are mass murders and and other people but but listen the things she does 
the impact she has on the lives is a lot more than uh, a Charles Manson. I don't mean, uh, listen, dying is, is a hard thing to, to over, to, to out, out be, right? But the, as far as the impact goes, of, of the negative impact, the problems somebody like Nancy Pelosi has in the lives. Why? Because she took this bill and lied about it to you and will make you and your grandchildren have to pay for this for years. So that 9%, 9% is COVID related. Everything else goes to her friends and family. Right, right. I mean, I mean, what's the difference when when we had this train to nowhere happen in California? Right, this high speed rail, so politicians can get from San Francisco, San Francisco or Sacramento down to the Southern California area. One of the thirty billion, ten, ten, and ten. What did that mean? Well, the cost of that high speed train was about thirty billion dollars. Ten billion was going to come from the government, the federal. Ten billion from the state. Ten billion from private. I think today it's well over 70, 70 billion. And who was one of the very first checks to be written from that big chunk of money? Dianne Feinstein's husband. Right? Senator Dianne Feinstein. Remember her? The one who had the spy in her office for 21 years? The Chinese spy, right? Her personal assistant for 21 years. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, that senator. Dianne Feinstein. She's the one. Her husband... Had as a has a surveying company for a hundred million dollars. They they weren't even shy about it. It's not, you know. Listen, when you do something wrong, you're kind of embarrassed or shy. You you have a conscience. That's why. That's why your kids feel bad. It's why your dog, when your dog you know digs in the trash and you come home, your dog you know knows he or she did something wrong. But even when your dog knows they do something wrong and is embarrassed or ashamed. When Diane Feinstein did something wrong and had a hundred million dollars pulled from the high speed rail to pay her husband, or she had a Chinese spy in her office for twenty plus years, she never held her head in shame. She never apologized. She never said anything except, uh, that's I deserve, you know who I am. You guys are lucky. I was a PTA president once. Because of me. I am now a senator and, and uh, Senate Armed Services chairperson. Can you imagine the amount of Chinese spy information? Can you imagine the damage to the state of California and the, and the, the residents that are now going to have to pay back by the time they're done? It'll be well over $100 billion. Can you imagine the lifestyle that you're not going to be able to lead, the things you're not going to be able to purchase? Because the the inflation and the taxes that will eat up your income. Listen, I'm sorry. I, I wish it was better news. But I think here's the story. Here's like the what do I do? Okay, Eric, that's that's stinky. Now what's the solution? Here's what it is. Number one, you get reliable retirement income that will go up, that can go up and help keep up or even surpass inflation. There are accounts like that where you're allowed to increase, you're allowed to go and move and continue to this, this growth every year, every couple of years. As the market goes up, so can your payment. Social Security won't do that. Pensions won't do that. So you want accounts that can have that built in. That's pretty important, number one. 
Number two is I want you to get rid of bad debt. Whether you're retired, going to be retired, want to retire, or will never retire, bad debt is still bad debt. So what's my definition? Well, I like Robert Kiyosaki's definition. Bad debt is debt that eats you, meaning you're the one that has to go to work for it. That's why I don't want you to buy your primary residence to live in, for example, and the only way to pay your mortgage is you're going to work. I want you to have assets, whatever they are, whether it's annuities or rental property or dividend stocks or whatever your desire is, and those things make money, feed you, and is part of your income. Because if I owe money on a debt, but I am bringing in more money than that debt is costing me, then that debt is feeding me. Because I hope you understand how this works. At the end of the story, the rules were always available to everybody. Listen, whether or not you understand it, rich people always always made the rules, right? Queen uh, Queen Elizabeth makes the rules or did or in some form or fashion. Uh, doesn't matter. The Nile River, right? Uh, these rivers were, uh, I'm sorry, the, these rules were made, whether it was the Roman Empire, the Egyptian, the French, Genghis Khan, Napoleon. I mean, listen, the rules were always written by Fidel Castro for his friends and family to benefit. And in the United States, the rules were written by rich people. But the difference is this. There's one little line in this thing called the uh, Constitution that says, oh, by the way, the rules apply to everyone. And it might have taken many years to kind of clarify and clean that up to make sure it was not just landholders and not just, uh, you know, freed Americans, but everybody. The rules apply to everyone. Figure it out, you win. Don't figure it out, you lose. If you figure it out, well, then that's when you sent your children to school. That's when you went to that big college in the far east coast. You saved up your life savings. You said, I don't even know the rules. We're all just doing this. Go find out the rules and come back with that information. We all waited three and four and five years and waited for that information to return. Today, you can find out almost anything about anything within minutes. You go on Bing and poof, there it is. Your Bing search engine will have everything for you. Well, you need to know this. Why? Because the rules are there how to be wealthy, successful. So the, the challenge is, look, you're going to live your life financially. Wouldn't it be nice to not have to worry about money? Well, it's two different ways, right? How much you make and how much you spend. When you decide that you need something, you just better make sure you really need it. Now, if you have enough money to make and live and, and to be joyous and to be generous with others, I'm very happy. I want that to be. In fact, that is ultimately the dream is for you to have your money and then you get to decide who, who gets it as far as the churches, the charities, the organizations, not give it to the government where it's, as we call in our industry, stepped on, right? $100 goes up uh, and you know, $14 comes back because of all the bureaucrats and the pension plans and the health care and their take-home cars and the, the federal government swipes their, you know, they swipe the gas card and you realize how, how many federal bureau, bureaucrats never have to pay for a gallon of gas? Why do you think you pay so much money for it? 
It isn't as if it's there. Oh, I'm doing my job. Really? So why do I see something that says Department of Water and Power or City of L.A. at the grocery store? Why do I see it driving down the freeway towards the beach right in the summer? And it has like a young family in it. And there's somebody driving, and yet it's a it's a company car, or it's a city car, or a county car. They don't even hide it. There's not even a shame. Remember, I mentioned if you're a leader, if Diane Feinstein, uh, as a leader, if Nancy Pelosi, as a leader, doesn't have the shame when they purposely do something that's publicly known, what message does that send to the water and power? Worker, good person. Listen, all these are good people. I'm not saying they're bad people. But there's a moral justification for them to take the company car, the city vehicle, and use it for personal use. Because their leaders did it. Why why shouldn't they? You want to put a stop on inflation? You want to start reducing some of this? Well, we can do that. We can do that by kind of keeping some of these expenditures in check because it's not just making money, it's the spending of the money. And so in your financial life, in your personal life, you have to enjoy retirement. You have to be able to be generous and to give and to help others when they need it. I want you to be there for them. That's an honorable thing. It's a beautiful thing. But what I don't want you to do is to be somebody who sits at home who can't afford to retire, who can't afford to be generous because you didn't plan properly or you got taken down on the last big market correction. Well, we're here for you. Triple eight ninety nine retire You're welcome anytime to give us a call. You always speak with me, by the way. I know it's funny. Sometimes people say, well, you know, I called one guy and I ended up speaking to his, by the way, that was his daughter. You know, sometimes people don't realize, oh, this is my colleague. Well, no, that's his daughter. And is his daughter. Right, these kind of things, people with us, you come in, you speak to me. If I can help you, maybe we do a Zoom call. I mean, whatever's comfortable for you. And our job is to help you with reliable retirement income. Remember safety. Safety, protection of principle. That's what we do. 888-99-RETIRE. 888-99-RETIRE. That's me, Eric Hallaby. Thanks for being part of the show. Have a great day. Strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Learn about. Fun.